Singing bowls have been prevalent in Asia for thousands of years. A mallet wrapped in leather is rubbed around the edge of the bowl in a process similar to using a wet fingertip to produce a musical tone from the edge of a wine glass. The bowl begins to slightly change shape, its edge shifting from round to oval. That creates a series of waves on the water's surface, starting from the edge of the bowl. More and more energy can be put into the rubbing, changing the smooth, symmetrical waves into a roiling mass of water, fizzing with droplets and chaotic waves. Slow-motion video of the process shows how these waves crash into each other and droplets tear free into the air. Under certain conditions, droplets like the one at the left can actually bounce on the surface of the water. At this point, the deformation of the bowl's edge can actually be seen as it squeezes from one oval shape into another. They would have said to you, right, as a little tiny child said, God, we have no idea what you are. We don't even know what sex you are. You have to choose everything for yourself, and we will investigate all of these things. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. We are going to be talking higher self and lower self with Reese Thomas a little bit later. Our purpose. Discovering our, our purpose. Discovering our purpose. <laughs> Um, and we did our little test. We do surveys. To find out how we did in our surveys. <laughs> you keep it down over there. Uh, and all sorts of fun stuff like that. You guys should enjoy it. Uh, but first, as always, Graham, I'm the guy that follows the streaker to make sure nothing <laughs> happens to him, Dunlop. <laughs> oh, man. Sometimes I'm getting a little shit. sick of what you put in words in my mouth. I didn't say follow the streaker, right? I just said I was around when he was streaking, no. probably. Like, it wasn't me streaking, that's all. I was just explaining. I was there. Oh, man. Some of the stuff that comes out of your mouth is dead. I just looked at Cindy. I was just like, oh, my God. I uh, couldn't make it up. Have you ever been in a stag where a guy, one of your friends, is just like running down the middle of a city street? And it wasn't just streaking through the country. I mean, he was streaking, like, he went, he was a long run. It was about 3K. And you followed him? It's part of the way, I think. <laughs> <laughs> How did that come up? Uh, I can't remember. I asked you if you ever streaked. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're making fun of me. And it came up because you're apparently like to get naked when you're drunk. Yeah, I, and your I've friends have all seen you naked, and you're like this. You you are I've a streaker. A streak. So you tell you you're laughing at me for following a streaker halfway. I'd rather be down the, the streaker run. than and the you, guy chasing the streaker. Admitting you're a streaker, I would like to see you chasing the streaker down the road. I just picture that in my head. Oh, are you okay? Did you see? <laughs> did you see that that highlight from the football game of the streaker? Oh yeah, he, he made was, it like 98 yards. Yeah, that was really funny how the announcer. Just caught, like, just kept going, like, the whole thing. Like, he's actually, like, a player to 60, yeah. 50. They're not going to catch him. <laughs> he got more yards than, uh... Than the uh, whole team that game? Pretty much. Yeah. That's a good one, though. Somebody just showed it to me. I don't follow it at all. Yeah. I like a good streaking story, though. So, are you, are you out of, off of sugar? 
No. Right now? You're no, thinking about no, it? No, I just had a Red Bull just jam yeah, full of sugar. Well, is it? Yeah. How much sugar is in it? And I had a tea with some honey in it. I got some raw pa- unpasteurized honey at the... You should get me some of that. Look, they don't even sell it in, in Safeway. I think I have a card. The, there's some farmer over here who's had all kinds. Really? Yeah. They had lemon, honey. I got the cinnamon honey. Mm, that's a good idea. Yeah, and raw and pasteurized. So, but you are obviously cutting out normal sugar because usually you don't, you know, you used to dump a lot of fucking white refined sugar into your coffee. I still do. Do you? Yeah, in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. A little less, but really, but I'm not there yet. I'm just still sort of sessing it out. You're weaning yourself off it, sessing it out, getting a feel for it. You know, it's a big step. Go to brown sugar first. Why is that better? Yeah, anything white and refined is not good. Flour, sugar, all that stuff. Well, I use cane sugar right now. I use organic cane sugar. Well, that's kind of the brown sugar I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. I think that's better than the refined white sugar, but I think but it's But I still, need to I get off all of it. Even yeah. honey's not great. Get off all that. You get, well, I don't well, want to cut it. I don't want to get it off it Some completely. Some people say honey's good, so. I'm not to the point that I need to get off it completely. I just need to, I would like to really minimize it. I don't, I don't need to quit, I don't say. But I'd like to really minimize it, you know, or at least maybe you can do... Sugar, completely sugar free, you know, for four days of the week. Yeah. And on the weekend, you know, you can have a, you have a little dessert or you make cookies or you bake a pie or whatever the fuck, you, you know, find, find something that works for me. And I think Lisa's kind of in too, but like, and she might even be more committed than I am, but I'm not, I mean, I know how committed I am and I don't want to set unrealistic goals. I'm not looking to go sugar free. I'm not, you know, obese. I'd like to lose a little bit of weight. Lose my gut. And but it's I'd like more to be healthy. I'd like to feel feel better. I'd like to be yeah. healthier. You know, I'd like to start just cutting it out because I already eat fairly healthy, right? I don't eat crap. I don't eat a lot of fast food. Once in a while, you know, once or twice a month, maybe I'm eating fast food. For the most part, I have my smoothies. Um. And a healthy meal at night, really. You don't even eat a lot of lunch, too. You don't even eat a lot. I don't. Well, you snack at night. I don't eat a lot of lunch. I usually. Well, it depends. I can have lunch. So, so that's the thing, though, is because if I'm gonna have lunch, I have I'll have New York fries. I have quite a bit. I really like just the classic New York fries poutine. So if I'm ever like around that, I'll have that. Sometimes, or if I'm if I have time to go into a, a restaurant, and you know, sit down and. What about the late night snacking? That's a problem. Yeah. See, if you just cut that out, like no snacking after lunch, I mean, after dinner, but that I, get, would be huge. I get hungry. That'd be huge. So I got to find, hungry. I just got to wait a minute. Fuck off. It's not hunger. Like it's because it's I didn't have lunch. Just, it's because I don't eat enough throughout the day, I think, is part of the problem. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't have breakfast. I just have a smoothie most days. And that's even if, you know, if I don't have a smoothie, I just have, don't have a smoothie. It doesn't mean I have breakfast. Like, I don't have breakfast 99% of the time. So here's how you'd lose weight. And if, then if you... most days I don't have lunch, and then I just have a, a fair-sized dinner. So skip skip right. So stop eating at, at, at night after dinner, and then skip right through to, to your to your smoothie. Do, like, a little intermittent fast, like, two or three days times a week. So go from, like, dinner to 10 or 12 the next day. And have your smoothie, and then you'll start shedding weight. Yeah, but then I'll be fucking hungry all the time. 
No, you know, just have water and water is fine. Well, thanks. I can have some water. Maybe that's enough. I was thinking about just making that something more healthy. Because there's a bit of a debate on whether breakfast is even that important. Some people don't even have a lot for breakfast. That that's when you're burning, like you're burning up a lot of stuff. I don't know. And then some people say it's better to have more calories in the morning. And then, yeah, it's it's interesting how there's different stories on both of it, both sides of it. Yeah. Like even calories at night, like having, or sorry, carbs, carbs in, in the morning compared to carbs at night. Well, like I stopped no carbs, carbs after, after three, three. or so. Yeah, like after lunch, basically after three, and that helped a little bit. But now I'm just trying to limit carbs just more and more as go along. Yeah. That's still hard. Yeah. I'm going to start with sugar, I think. Minimize that yeah. and yeah. then no, maybe look good. at minimizing. Because, yeah. I mean, I don't eat, you know, I don't eat other than my late night snacking. It's not like I'm eating candy and shit most of the time. Or the weakness is chips. Maybe I could offset the chips. With... See, for a while I was even making my own chips. It's a lot of work, though. Yeah, that's... <laughs> like I got my man, what is it called? A mandolin. Mandolin? I think no, that's I think right. that's a musical instrument. Mandala? No, it's not a mandala. A mandala or a mandolin. But it's that fucking slicer. Right. So it's a single blade there. I think they're like outlawed. Some, you can fuck yourself up real quick. They just fucking <laughs> slice it up. I was doing like carrots, and one night I'd do a sweet potato, one night a... Hmm. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And you got to really watch it so you don't want to deep fry so you're baking them and those fuckers cook fast. You like turn your back for a second. What kind of grease were you using for the deep fryer? Like healthy, was it healthy deep frying or? I usually just. Or is it, does that change no, the No, I was whole... baking them most of the time. Uh, just frying them is a pain in the ass. Right. I baked some sweet potato chips for I a while there. I was cutting up, but yeah. I didn't cut it up with a, I had to just slice them normally. And then there, like some of them uh, were I can soft just and picture some of them were burnt, and fucking different <laughs> fucking different fucking widths and crooked yeah, yeah. they all have to be the exact same yeah hence the, anyway. hence the tool hence the tool mm. so so what do you think about all this 9-11 stuff yesterday it seems like we've reached a year where it's sort of peaked a little bit more than like the last couple of years i don't know we really got into it but maybe it's because we were thinking about doing a full show a few months back we we're gonna do a few episodes actually because you had gone down a bit of the rabbit hole with the dustification and the judy wood video and I think it's just because it's starting to have been long enough. Is that what you think? I think that plays a role on the events, these high trauma events. You know, the farther you get away from them, the more you can kind of start to pick them apart publicly. I mean, I started the day with 9-11 was an inside job. Yesterday? It was my first tweet on 9-11. And fucking 10 years... It went good for the most part. It went good. I think one or two people were a little offended. Right. <laughs> but, uh, or not even, not, no one was pissed off. Actually, the one person ended up pay, sending a bunch of links. And he said he'd take a look. But he would be pretty skeptical. So there was no, like, real fighting. No, like, real backlash. Or ten years ago, I wouldn't have considered sending a tweet like that. Right? Yeah. I, ten I years ago, I don't even know how I felt on the matter. Yeah, I do agree with you on that. That it seems like in the last ten years, a lot has opened up. You can talk about a lot more than we could have. Fucking old Dave McGowan wrote about it the very next day. Yeah. Huh. So you were also into the Corbett Report stuff for that, I guess. Yeah, I think he's really one of the best. I still like the old Zeitgeist. The second half or the second 
part of the first zeitgeist has a lot of pretty good stuff, but Corbett has it all. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com has this. You can basically, he's got a post up right now that'll kind of take you start to finish from and He's still actively, you know, uncovering and working on it. And the thing is, he's not a, really a conspiracy theorist. Like he's No, he's a fact. He, he just, he it's comes all off as a trail. conspiracy theorist because no, there's he, giant conspiracies going on all around us. That's the problem. What do you mean by that? Well, fucking, it's a conspiracy. Like it or not, it's a conspiracy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it's it's a deep one. It's a deep one. I'd still just like to see all the points bulleted somewhere. Just everything, one after another. I mean, this probably is somewhere on, online, but it's... uh. Even the No Agenda guys were talking about it. You know, you mentioned that you could say that and only two negative tweets came back. Like they yeah. did, a, I think they did a donation segment for the show where it was like, if you donate this much, you think 9-11 was <clears throat> the mainstream story was the, you know, what really happened. And then if you donate this much, it's, you, you don't, you don't believe the mainstream story. And I think it was two to. Two to 26 or something. Yeah. Like that. So. I mean, granted, like a lot of the listeners from No Agenda would already be past that point. That the yeah, the poll would be slanted. But, I mean, but still, it's it shows you the, how the it's shifted. Yeah, I'd be interested to hear back from the audience. How many who who if you believe if uh, if you think the the official narrative is the way to go, or how far down the rabbit hole? Send us your opinions on nine eleven. Do you have a couple? And of- I'd also like to hear if the audience thinks it's. Uh, you know, kind of a beaten horse because I mean, I'm still actively interested in it and watching. Like, I've been, especially the last few days, I've been marathoning, but actively, you know, I'm always, if I see something new 9 11, I'm probably going to watch it. But you haven't always been like that, though. I mean, no, I've only thing, been like into you're... it for the last couple of years. No, last not year. Even last like, year, no, probably. Was it, it was even six months, I'd even like to say. No, nah, it's a year, I think. Anyway. Let us know if that's something you think is worth doing outside. Because we your... think sometimes it's too—it's kind of too old to bother yeah. talking about. Yeah, it was almost one of the on the boycott list, like Roswell, nine eleven, some of the bigger ones that you just get sick of talking about. But but now I'm all in. Like I tweeted out the other day that I need a new rabbit hole to go down. Oh, that was you that tweeted that. Yeah, but you have to assume that I already think that the Earth is round and growing, possibly electric. <laughs> And uh, I forget the last one. And we're all connected? No. Son of a bitch. There was another good one on that? Yeah. The whole thing that was one, it was one, and the whole point of me mentioning it was the last one. Oh. (laughs) Because it played off something you just said. Disclosures happening? No. No. Where is it? In Earth? UFOs are real? Uh, no. Sasquatch needs to be shot? No. I'm running out of them here. Uh, we're in a digital reality? Uh, no. Close? No. Everything is vibration? We are all vibration? Everything is vibration? No? No, that's not it. Keep going, though. Sound healing resonates with your organs and heals you? Sound waves? Oh, and 9-11 was an inside job. Oh. Fucking idiots. <laughs> 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 the whole we assumed that, that was the first part of it 
I assume uh, that was so the, the first tweet was Dron needs a new rabbit hole to explore. Any suggestions? Assume he's decided the earth is round and growing and nine eleven was an inside job. There was no possibly electric in there? No. And the suggestions are how about that the moon is placed here to watch over Earth and influence what happens on the human zoo? I like that. Darwinism. Kara <laughs> St. Louise in the alternative timeline. And then someone else says 9 11 was planned. Building 7 was imploded as a separate plan. Unknown reasons are planned for Building 7. Likely also terrorists. Hashtag am I right? I don't really get that one. Anyway. So what would be, do you have a couple favorite things that point you, like if you were, somebody new was exploring, you know. Check out the Corbett report. What about your own, like Building 7 or the Pentagon or like the, is there anything that just stands out for you? It's all of the above kind of? All of the above. There's so to, many. We were actually talking about it before the show any, and we were just yeah, laughing because it's. Any one of them on their own might not be enough. But there are some that on their own could be enough, yeah. like the fucking obvious seemingly controlled demolition and the fact that fucking planes and the chance of a building pancaking like that are a fucking million to one. That all those things are going to fail together all the way down. On which buildings? Seven or the other two? The other two. Yeah. If it was fucking pancaking at some point, it should have toppled over to one side. And where's the rubble, really? And where's all the toilets and the filing cabinets? And Yeah, there's a lot of things wrong with all of it. But if you just like, I mean, that Corbett report video, the one, the five, if you just Google nine eleven five minutes. Yeah. Well, I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. And it's like, it's like four and a half minutes and it's just like, and he doesn't even touch on all the, there's, main there's 20 or 30 stuff. things that he leaves out. He just kind of yeah. rifles off in five minutes and you're just kind of left with your jaw on the floor. Yeah. That's the one. That's a good one too. If you want to show people, if you want to try and like coax people you know that are maybe on the fence or giving you some resistance that you don't think will sit through this this is a video that you could show them on your phone in a couple of minutes that will fucking it's hard to dispute yeah yeah let's listen to jim mars getting into the more sort of crazy conspiratorial yeah there's parts of it you got to tiptoe it and he was interesting because he he mentions how it could be all of the above like right away he's like all the above like Part, you know, different levels of it, kind of like what Joseph Farrell said, but when you look at the actual physical act, could be multiple layers and multiple technologies and multiple things used, you know? Yeah, He's talking about, talking about some of these top secret labs, like Brookhaven Labs, you know, making directed energy weapons and stuff. And I'd like to dig into that a little bit more, these labs. Those motherfuckers. These, yeah. So, what do you got for me? Well... <clears throat> Well, I've been thinking how awesome the, the one of the best things about doing this podcast and what's the most sort of uh, rewarding is meeting like listeners and like-minded people and building sort of a little community. Like I've got friends here now in the city and meeting people online. And like, there's so many fucking cool, smart people that are just, that are just, you know, it's just fun getting, getting in touch with. And willing to help too. And willing and to help. Quite yeah, the for sure. Network going on. Help that we don't pay for because we can't afford to. Yeah, and we'd love to pay for our help. Yeah, and definitely the support's yeah. another end of it. But I mean, just connecting with people's been great. I mean, and that's not even including all the guests. I mean, even that's you know, and some of the guests becoming friends and all it is cool too. But so, but and getting cool emails. I haven't heard back from a meetup. I'd like to hear some place for some 
I guess we'd have to kind of orchestrate that. Yeah, we're talking so about maybe a meetup in Calgary or something. Yeah, or even anywhere. If someone's someplace else like that, I think the UK people could really do it. The UK other policy, than, maybe. Yeah. And ca- other than that, in Canada, well, in Canada, it might be okay. But in the States, I think, you know, I can tell you, if you're interested in doing a meetup, you could email me and I could tell you, uh, give you an approximation of how many listeners are listeners in your neighborhood. From, from the matrix that we can tell, yeah, which, which the, is the only a small portion of it. From the initial matrix. Yeah. So I, I do have a pretty cool email here. Um, it's a synchronicity and other stuff. From you know, you get a lot of emails from listeners, and some of them are great. I play a jingle. Synchronicity. It's time for another installment of the Canadian Third Party Synchronicity Rating Authority. That's a, that's a problem. That's a, oh People have a fucking problem doing that. Drawing dicks. There's more than one person I've heard now that just draws dicks. Kim. I've heard this other, with other people. Oh, yeah, it's just a One male. of Joe Rogan's guys was <laughs> yeah, drawing There's one in time. every group. What the f- There's fucking dick drawers all over the Where place. Where does that come from? I don't know. The dicks are funny. Why are you drawing it? We have a... We have a uh, because I do it because I was doing something else until I seen you were watching. We have a table, <laughs> we have a table with... Uh, what do you call this? White, white wash... Um, whiteboard. Whiteboard sticky thing on it so we can just doodle on the table. Anyways, uh... This is the email. Greetings. He says, synchronicity a little later. I've been listening since about April, managing to come across your podcast on Spotify. Actually, let's just uh, take a tangent here. It is cool to hear how people found us as well. Like sometimes people find us on iTunes or Spotify or through other people or just random searches. So it is kind of nice to when you're getting in touch with us to tell us how you found us. And he says, one day by randomly searching esoteric in the search bars, I had listened to all of my manual, Manly P. Hall recordings I had on my phone at that time. <clears throat> if you know of any experts on him and his work, it would be amazing if you could get that person on the show. I have to catch up on the newest episode, but other than that, I've made it to the back episode 148, and there's no stopping in sight. The first episode I listened to was with Jamie Janover, and it blew my mind. Being a musician, an esoteric researcher... I've never heard someone talk about all these ideas associated with sound, frequency, physics, and music that I hold within my own mind. Though I wouldn't be able to explain it adequately on my own before. There's so much information held within the Grimerica show, and I thank all involved. You and Darren are the ferrymen, not to be confused with the ferrymen, <laughs> guiding the knowledge to the masses. And the work you both do is so important and vital to the path of humankind. I've been on a constant search for knowledge, understanding, and purpose since my mother passed away in 2007 when I was 16. Before then, and since that time, I've also lost my father, all four grandparents, and a sister. My father being the most recent in 2013. There are several things that have greatly helped me keep my positive attitude. My wife, Nikki, who I married in 2014. My daughter, Sophia, born later that same year. Playing and cresting music, the teachings of Manly P. Hall, and now I can definitely say the Grimerica show. So, once again, thank you both for all you do. Now, on to the synchronicity. The first part is only a slight synchronicity, if that, but I'll throw it in there. I'm a rideshare driver with Uber and Lyft working in the Cincinnati, Ohio area. I had a trip 
that had me almost 90 miles from home, and I needed to refuel the van. While refueling, I decided I'd check Facebook, and one of my friends had asked me if anyone wanted to go on an adventure, and the location he posted it was about two miles from where I was. He lives close to me, so this was quite a distance away for him to be. I messaged him to see if his car had broken down or on him or something, as if he was as if he has that kind of luck, and if that was the case, I was going to give him a ride home. The adventure he had spoken of was actually shrooms, and he was already on his way, and he was already on his way home. I opted to join this adventure when I returned about an hour ish later. I made there. See, it's already, I'm, I'm losing it already here. Okay, so he says, so he made it there about an hour later. I ate a few of them, and a few minutes later, glanced at my Facebook while my friend was doing something else. I opened the app and immediately got excited, knowing this was the right choice. Right there before me, I see a post from the Grand America show, which hardly ever shows up in my news feed, posted literally seconds before I opened the app that was titled, How to Grow Your Own Magic Mushrooms. <laughs> It's easier than you thought. So it may not be the best synchro, but it was certainly powerful to me. <clears throat> well, yeah. I apologize the, for the length, the epic length of this email, but after listening to your podcast, it seems almost like you guys are a couple of old friends, and I'm sure many people feel the same. And it's just very easy to ramble on. Thank you again. Have a most glorious day. Oh, and then he, he says uh, he's got some wedding photos with a female spirit or a ghost clear as day in one of the windows, and he wants to send it. So Nice. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. That's, That's a good rather idea. humbling. Yes, very humbling. Thank you for the feedback as well. And we think you're our buddy, too. And I'm going to give you an 8.42. Wow, that's a big one. Yeah. See, well, he, he thought it was a slight. See, he's so he's worried about your rating already. He's like, I've got a slight one for you here. <laughs> It's but, good. It's good to be pessimistic. Don't if, come in. Don't come in. Oh, I got the best sinker ever because I'm automatically, <laughs> I'm defensive. <laughs> you better work on that, buddy. There's no reason why you need to be like that. <laughs> I feel like I'm a bit of a defender of reality. Oh my god! I'm like some of these. You just go for the underdog that think he's just got a little bit of, little bit of it going on. Probably buttered me up first. That's true. That's good. Yeah, so say a couple compliments too before you say <laughs> Donations or compliments. <laughs> so what do you want now? I got the the uh, UFO quote. Uh, what else you got? That's it. That's, <laughs> That's it. my only option. Well, we're chit-chatting for quite a bit already amongst ourselves. I got a double here. Oops. I got a couple, I don't know, they're sort of related to this political climate right now. Okay. I strongly recommend that there be a committee investigation of the UFO phenomena. I think we owe it to the people to establish credibility regarding UFOs and to produce the greatest possible enlightenment on this subject. Who said that? President Joe Rogan. Gerald Ford. <laughs> 1966. No, Joe doesn't agree with that. At all. That's number one. Seems sad by that. Seems sad. Number two. I looked out the window and saw this little white light. It was zigzagging around. I went up to the pilot and said, have you ever seen anything like that? He was shocked and said, nope. 
I said to him, let's follow it. We followed it for several minutes. It was a bright white light. We followed it to Bakersfield. And all of a sudden, to our utter amazement, it went straight up into the heavens. When I got off the plane, I told Nancy all about it. She don't know me. She don't lie. That was Ronald President Reagan. Ronald Reagan, yeah. Describing his 1974 UFO encounter to veteran newsman Norman C. Miller, then the Washington Bureau Chief for the Wall Street Journal. It was probably the Secret Surface Tales. <laughs> secret Surface. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. That's our table right here. It's a Secret Surface. <laughs> it was probably the Secret Service tail in them. Got too close. The secret, secret service. So. Yeah, yeah. The secret space program service. Sure. Uh, so, of course, uh, support the show. Um, yeah, for all the local people in Calgary, I've got a few t-shirts left. A few right. of the traditional style and a few of the take the shot, and then I won't be ordering any more after that. Yeah, so get a hold of the gram. And, uh, well, because they're, they're going to go to... Yeah, for non-local people, just go to redamerica.ca slash swag. That'll redirect you to our Redbubble store, which already has uh, Take the Shot, Save Sasquatch, a bunch of classic, and you can get uh, hoodies, T-shirts, basically all the stuff we would have never been able to stock. So if we go with Redbubble, uh, the sky seems to be the limit. So we can't get toques. Is it pretty easy to upload the art, too? Uh, it's a little bit of a process, but it's not too bad. They like, can't get toques? No, they don't have toques. You got everything but toques. You yeah. You can get a pillowcase. You, you, you can get a mini skirt. What? A mini skirt. A Grand American mini skirt? Yeah. No, I'm mostly disabled. Because I just go, I have to go through and cuss, you know, set it for each thing, and it takes a bit of process. So I do s- certain things and you know, t shirts, cups. So did you say episode art was going up there? Eventually. Eventually episode art? I'm starting to go through the episode art. It'll be without the name or without the stamp. It'll just be the episode art. Uh, so I'll start upload. I'll start going through the ones I want to upload and upload them. Yeah, I put that in all that on Instagram too. Yeah, so yeah, if you want your swag, that's the place to go. I think it works out to about uh, like 28 bucks or something like that. Delivered. Hashtag guests on deck and Instagram gets you to the upcoming... Uh, Upcoming guests. What? I'm trying, you know, do what people ask and they want to know who's coming up. So there I you go. put them out on Instagram. There. We should have something on the website again. Eventually. Well, we'll yeah, get the there. website needs some work. So yeah. one day. Yeah. Anyway, check out grammarica.ca slash support. Uh, a couple new subscribers. That's always good to see. I uh, could always use more to help us uh, keep growing and keep going and do so ad free, sponsor free, bullshit free, uninterrupted. Uh, Chats. So check out grammarica.ca slash support. There's anything from a buck a month to 30 bucks a month. Um, buck a show is all we ask. Five bucks a month is our most popular. Uh, but hey, get in at a buck a month, entry level, and you can work your way up. Uh, if you do donate up to $432, you earn the right to join us for an interview, if you so choose. And that's about it for support. Uh, of course, you can support the show by telling people. Spam and gram your stories and shit. Well, voicemail. That speak by PO box. Speak, yeah. All the links to all this stuff are going to be in the show notes. That's right. So you don't need to remember anything. Speakpipe.com slash America. Uh, 
want to sign up for the newsletter, go to america.ca slash news. Yeah, check out the show notes and do all the shit in there. Review the show, all that stuff. Mostly tell hey, your friends. We got that email from that guy that signed a bunch of his friends up to the newsletter. I don't, I don't think I saw the increase. Me either. I think he's bluffing. It didn't work. He's bluffing. He's bluffing. Hmm. Yeah. Or he's done he's something He's bluffing wrong. or he did, it, didn't, it just didn't work. Or he's about as good with technology as you are. Oh. Come on, buddy. That is not fair at all. That is fucking accurate. It's not fair at all. I'm, I'm doing not, my I didn't own say Instagram. I'm doing all my own apps. I'm doing my own Instagram. The show notes. I do the show notes. their own Instagram. What do you want from me? Nothing. I don't get it. <laughs> Nothing. Just don't defend the undefendable. You're, get, you're learning. I'll give oh you that. Oh, my God. You're learning. It's great. You're doing great. I'm a great. faster typer than you. You're doing great. You'll be a great receptionist one day. <laughs> Where'd you learn how to type? In grade nine. On what? A Mac, probably. Not a typewriter? That too. <laughs> <laughs> we had Macs yeah. in school in 1984 or whenever. They were called Macintoshes right. back then. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think I learned how to type on a computer too. But I, 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 I truly think it was a typewriter though. Or what do they call them? Word processor. It wasn't like an actual typewriter, but. It was like an electric typewriter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. A space. <laughs> B space. Those are the good old days. Yeah. So anyway, that's enough of our shit, probably. Yeah. Enjoy the chat with Reese Thomas. And uh, find out what, what were you? I was a... Uh, oh, now you're asking me to remember this stuff? I was a charismatic leader, I think, or something like that. Yeah. I don't have it in the show notes, sir. I think uh, you're... That was a bit of everything. <laughs> you're like uh, dumbfounded something or other. No, I no, wasn't. No, I was like amazed. Creative. Uh, no. Don't even just don't even <laughs> say anything else. <laughs> just. Okay, guys. <laughs> Enjoy the chat with me. Tonight we got Reese Thomas here. He's a uh, interesting author, energy medicine expert, and he's got this book here that Darren and I both uh, read and actually did some exercises in called "Discover Your Purpose." He's also been uh, a coach, a tennis coach, a black belt, lots of uh, interesting stuff to talk about, and he's also a founder of Reese Thomas Institute of Energy Medicine. And he's created this Reese method. It's a powerful system of uh, self-discovery, transformation, and healing. So it's interesting. We're going to get into some some depth. It's not like your normal self-help self help stuff. We're going to get to the, the soul level, hopefully. 
In the spirit of full disclosure, I only read chapter three. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Derek. <laughs> so how are you doing tonight, Reese? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Well, chapter three is a good chapter, so I think any chapter you're reading there is, is a good one for you. Yeah, I usually take, uh, I'm the ma- I'm more the man on the street, and Graham's the hard-nosed researcher. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. So is that, well, how, is that how I pronounce your name, Reese? Reese, yep. Okay, okay good. So yeah, I, w- I, w- I was thinking that um, it'd be worth getting into your the background a little bit because you have kind of an overachieving style past, and yet that really didn't uh, bring you the depth of happiness that you're looking for, right, or contentment. So I was thinking we should start with maybe some of your past or and, and uh, get into that a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I uh, um, you know sort of learned growing up that. Uh, um, you know, the guys are supposed to be achievers or leaders and out there and doing things. And I was a high energy kid. So that wasn't that hard to make that leap into trying to be a competitive athlete. Of course, I picked tennis rather than, rather than, uh, you know, other sports. And later when I thought I was, you know, really a man, I, I did, I did 25 years of martial arts and, uh, wow. and, you know, tried to make, uh, you know, sort of make my mark. And I started coaching and teaching early in my teens, uh, while I was competing in tennis, played some pro tennis, uh, and, you know, just, just really felt like, you know, my, I was supposed to be somebody, you know, and, and, and it's like, we all go through this phase in our lives, especially in our twenties where it's like, okay, I gotta become somebody, <laughs> you know, I can't just be, you know, uh, just some kid who's got a job. I gotta be somebody. I gotta make my mark in the world. And, uh, and of course I'm listening through my, through my twenties to Wayne Dyer and Deepak Chopra and, and these guys who were all sort of very spiritual, but at the same time, listening to Tony Robbins and, and Dennis Waitley and saying, you know, you gotta be a successful, you know, entrepreneur. And, and so I, you know, I sort of, you know, made the choice in my life as a lot of us do to be a certain type of person that I thought was going to get, make the most money, be the happiest. Uh, you know, I got married in my twenties, had children, uh, you know, and, 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 uh, you know, and, and got very high level jobs in the, in the tennis industry. I had one of the top jobs in Boston. I was speaking for the tennis industry. Uh, I was running my own summer camps. I was also studying martial arts and, and, and doing, doing a ton of things. I also, I also had a, uh, developed a a product. I started a corporation that was making a product that teaches you how to be more coordinated on balance. And so I had all these things that I was, I was doing, um, but I wasn't doing any of them exceptionally well, except for the teaching part. And the teaching part was sort of like my mastery and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to be a tough guy really didn't work out that well because I was sparring against guys like Joe Rogan. You know, they, they, he was he he went through the school where I was when I was when I was going through that, and uh, and these you know these these people that were born fighters and 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 I and and I didn't really get to later on that I kept trying trying to be a businessman, trying to be a successful, driven, focused organized businessman and a martial artist and a, all these things, trying to be those people was actually draining me, tiring me out. You know, I was, I was actually getting pretty good at doing them, but it, they never really worked. And, and I wasn't really, I, I felt like I got into my thirties and I felt like, Oh my God, you know, I don't think people really understand me at work. I was certainly felt misunderstood in my marriage and with my, with my children and, 
And, and, and I was just, you know, something was, I really felt like there was something really big missing, even though I was successful at every marker, I was making good money. I had a house in the suburbs. I was, you know, all the types of things that you'd say, that's a successful person. He's, you know, he's doing very well in the world, but I started feeling really empty and, and, and that was when I, and also I was, I had, I had a physical illness. Uh, I had, you know, I was like, I was saying I was having problems at work, feeling like I wasn't in the right job somehow, even though I was really, really good at what I did. Uh, and I was really good at teaching. I was, I was really pretty bad at the, at the administrative part. And I was a big administrator. I ran all sorts of businesses and things and, and I was terrible with numbers and, and budgets and things like that. I couldn't, and I, I could never figure out why I was so bad at those things. And, and then in my late thirties, I finally sort of, you know, said, well, none of what I'm doing is working. And I found this, this, this energy medicine school that was not that far from me. I, and I went and, and signed up for school thinking, Hey, I'm a black belt in the martial arts. How hard can energy work be? <laughs> and literally within the first or second class, I realized that I had no idea who I was. And I was so sure I knew who I was because I had studied all the great thinkers and all the great, you know, I, I, you know, you know, done all the Deepak Chopper and Wayne Dyers and the quantum physics. And the, I knew everything. And I was so sure that I knew who I was. And I realized that I wasn't that guy. What were, the, what were those first two visits like? Like, what did you, what, what, what did you do there that sort of triggered that? Well, I went to <laughs> the first, well, the first, first day I went to class, uh, I, I went and I sat down and everybody stands up and says who they are, what they do. And, and everybody's a doctor or, uh, or a massage therapist or a physical therapy person or a psychologist or all these people that are wanted to study energy medicine add to their practice. And I stand up and say, I'm just a, I'm just a tennis pro. I'm a guy, you know, who does, you know, who, who does some martial arts and, and, uh, and some tennis and, uh, thinking, well, you know, how, you know, what, what could go wrong? Well, there was an open seat next to me and the teacher came over and sat next to me and she put her arm around me and looked up at the ceiling. And I'm like, what is she doing? And she looked up at the ceiling and she goes, Reese, are you going to come in and join us? Wow. <laughs> and, and I, and I, and I, and I was, you know, blink, blink. I was like, what? <laughs> what's she even talking about? And what she was talking about was that I had never actually inhabited my body, my life, and my life purpose. And I had been playing someone else's game my whole life. And when I realized that and started studying that and feeling what it was like to actually be me, I realized that I was more of this, you know, enthusiastic, highly creative person who wanted to do all those things, but didn't really need to be super successful at any of them. I just enjoyed doing all those things. I, I enjoyed the, the, create, the creative aspect of it. And, and when I realized that that's the person I was, I realized that the reason that I felt misunderstood and felt like I wasn't being a good parent and, you know, was misunderstood in my, in my relationships and my work and everything was, was that I'd been lying to everybody. And when you lie to people about who you are and then they feed that back to you and it doesn't sound so good coming out of their mouth sounded really good coming out of my mouth, but it sounded really bad coming out of their mouth. And I'm like, no, you don't understand me at all. And when I realized that, and I started working, going back and working with my, with my coaching, you know, with my, uh, my players, my competitive players, as well as the people at the country club. And then I started doing, you know, I started doing workshops for, for, with crystal bowls and energy medicine. And I was doing that 
And I started realizing that I didn't know anybody. Maybe, I mean, I, I, I say, you know, I, I really, there were, there were two people I'd met, at the, you know, through my work that I felt like really knew who they were and didn't need help. <laughs> Everybody else, I'd never met a, a person that fully knew who they were. Everybody knows a little piece of who they are. They've got like an idea, you know, I, was, I wasn't wrong that I was a teacher. I wasn't wrong that I was, that I liked doing all these things and being creative in the world, but I was dead wrong about whether I was a real achiever or not. Because when you really find a, a person who we call the knowledgeable achiever, uh, when you really find that, that quality in a person, they are incredibly structured and organized, and my brain just doesn't work that way. So, so I wasn't able to, to pull off that, that quality. And so one of the things that we found, that I found very quickly when I got to the, into the program, uh, was that there were five ways that Alexander Lowen work was what we studied in the energy school, uh, where we were trying to, you know, just working on how people go into these illnesses. And, and there are five ways people go crazy or go into illness and, and, and what they call defense. And, uh, and what I found from those, which were, uh, you know, people going with what they called out of their body schizoid, or they were, or they were overwhelmed by life, or they were, uh, or they were masochistic in their, in their tendencies, giving out, giving themselves over all the time, or they were incredibly rigid and controlling, uh, or they were, uh, um, uh, you know, aggressive and, uh, and manipulative. And so, and I looked at that and I said, wow, you know, God, nobody wants to be any of those things. Um, but underlying that, what we found was these weren't just elements that you are, uh, th these weren't things that like, they weren't nurture. These were nature. These were, and I, I, and, and I, and I think that this is where I differ from a lot of the thinkers on this and, and Alexander Lowen himself, uh, that these aren't things that you, uh, happen in your life that cause the traumas cause these, this is your curriculum to life. This is your soul's curriculum. And those just happen to be the way each of us in those five different qualities go into our negative traits. But the highest traits are what I would call the creative idealists, these super creative people, the deep lovers and feelers, which are these, you know, deeply caring, nurturing, gentle people in the world. Uh, and then the, and then what we call the team player, the, 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 compassionate caretakers in the world. And then the achievers that I thought I was going to be. And, and often in business, if you aren't a, a, an achiever, you don't succeed as well. Um, and those people are excellent at organization and structure and running big groups and managing things and, and, and starting businesses and working them through and all the T's crossed and I's dotted. And then lastly, there are the leaders and these, and there are people that are just born to be charismatic and, and, and motivate other people, inspire other people. And these five kinds of people are really very different cats. They're very different kinds of, of, of individuals. They have different body types. They have different energy. They, they think differently. And, and I learned, as I learned, I was learning the system, I was realizing, oh my God, people don't know who they are. They pick one of those because it's what their parents want them to be, or they were born a man or a woman. And basically we're taught the biggest difference between people is some are men and some are women. Right. So, and, and, you know, that's the biggest difference. And the truth is energetically and spiritually that only counts at the first chakra. 
Yeah. So those are your five profiles, right, out of your book. That That's what you put into your book, Discover Your Purpose. And there's exercises yep. in there as well to figure out. Actually, Darren and I did these exercises, so we'll talk about that in a bit. But those right. are the ones that, you know, this is how to figure out which of those five profiles you fit into or multiple ones. But but your your profiles are different than than the traditional Lowen style one, right? Like you switched it around to be more of a positive thing, didn't you? Or how did you do that? I did. I did. I changed. Yes. They, they you know, Lowen, Lowen has a, has a healing system to take people from crisis to coping. And I never dealt with, I never liked that. I was never a therapist at heart. I don't have that archetype. Um, and I found that I really want to take people from coping and say, well, well how do you go to to flying. How do you go to amazing? And to go to amazing, you have to contact this part of you that's always been amazing and always been, been, been powerful. So, so yeah. And, and, and so yes, I improved on what they did and, and made it sort of like made people understand that this is about, you know, not labeling yourself so you can deal with life better. Uh, it's about, discovering your greatness in you, discovering what's, what's amazing in you and know that within that amazingness is some, some stuff that might be called bad or aggressive or, or whatever we are. We are, you know, basically animals in, in, inside. We have this lower self that's very powerful, but we have these, this higher purpose that our body and our psyche and our energy and our, and where we're born and who we're born to all is, is, is part of the spiritual mission. And, and where I differ from the other profiling systems like Myers-Briggs or DISC uh, or Enneagram, which are also very popular in Myers-Briggs, especially in, in the business world, mm -hmm. um, is that those are strictly behavioral. And when you're dealing with something that's just behavior-based, um, that means anybody can have it. And, and that goes against one of the major tenets that I teach in the energy medicine school is, is that you know, one of the worst things we've ever been taught is that we can become anything we want, we want to become. The truth is, is that you can only become one thing. And if your parents really were enlightened beings, they would have said to you, right, as a little tiny child said, God, we have no idea what you are. We don't even know what sex you are. You have to choose everything for yourself. And we will investigate all of these things throughout your life. And, and we will hunt them down and we will use your feelings and your sensations and the way you think and the way you do things to decide what religion you are, what, what, uh, what your deepest callings are. And, and if they did that throughout your life and, and, you, and you were allowed to discover who you were rather than be told that you're a boy and boys act like this and, and, and this is what we do in this family and this is how we do things, we, uh, you know, we would probably have enlightened masters by the time people are 30 or 40 years old. You know, we'd have the Christs of the world. Uh, but instead what happens is, is that our, we, our parents don't teach us that at all because they're at that point in their life where they have no idea who they are and they are trying so hard to be somebody and they deliver that message to you is that it's not okay to be who you really are because a child sees who the parent really is and sees the fake person they're presenting, the mask they're presenting, and then realizes, oh my God, this is a crazy game. I better, ju I better just get on, get on board because everybody's crazy on this planet. And, and it isn't until we're in our 30s or 40s when we realize that's never working. So for me, I chose that sort of like, okay, I'm a boy, boys wear blue, and they are achievers, and they become good athletes, and they, and they, and they work hard at things, and they, 
you know, put their nose to the grindstone. And it wasn't until I was almost 40 years old that I realized, wow, this isn't working. No matter how good you get at it, it still feels horrible when you're not being who you really are. I was like 38. So, so you find that it was, um, so you were almost 40 then when that, when, when you yep. shifted? Yep. So, I yeah. went, I went to energy medicine school when I was 38 years old. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. I, I want to talk a bit about that because I, I have a selfish reason why, but the crystal singing bowl part of your book really struck a chord with me. So could you could you get into a little bit of that? Because I have a little story that I want to say after afterwards as well. Sure, sure. I am, um, what, sorry? <laughs> Darren's asking if he should play the bowl. No, don't play the bowl now. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can play the bowl. I usually have a bowl nearby. I don't actually have one, one on me here. Uh, yeah, I when I first... Uh, started doing this work, um, I realized that I realized that you can't ever know who you are through thinking. It was like it was the, it was the most impossible thing for me because I was such a thinker. I was such a I, you, I figured everything out in my mind and I was like, okay, I got this and I got that. And then I went to energy medicine school and and I, and and everything was about healing work and feeling and and meditation and chanting and you know getting your body to feel these deeper levels of consciousness and mm-hmm. feel the, and see, perceive the chakras and their colors and their vibrations and everything through your body. And, and I would, uh, I would be in class and I'd say, okay, so what you're saying is that when this chakra does this and this does that, and then this life purpose energy comes through it, that means this. And the teacher would come over and she would tap me on the forehead. <laughs> she had really, she had really long fingernails and she would tap me on the forehead and she'd say, you can't figure it out from there. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? And, uh, and then, and then one birthday I was given, uh, or Christmas, I think it was, uh, a friend of mine gave me two crystal bowls and I'd been studying really hard how to hold the different chakra levels. Cause in full spectrum healing, which we teach, um, it's not just a, it's not a, like a technique thing. Uh, where you just learn a technique and a visualization, and that would, that's what makes your healing work. You have to literally be able to hold the vibration of each of the chakras purely in your energy field if you're going to be able to inspire the person on the table to actually open theirs up as well. So I had to learn how to hold them, and I was always trying to hold them in class, and, and the teacher, and I'd say, okay, I'm definitely orange. I'm holding orange right now. And she'd come over and go, nope, you're yellow. And I'm like, shit. And then, and then, uh, uh, you know, and then I would, uh, you know, say, okay, nope, now I'm green. She come over and go, nope, you're yellow. Cause you, anytime you're, you're, you're using your will to do something, your energy field turns yellow. And, uh, and, and, but then after over time, I actually learned how to hold the different energy fields. I could feel the vibration. So I was given these crystal bowls and the very first time the person said, listen to this. I was like, what are these hokey things? I was thinking, God, this is just one more gimmicky thing that you buy at a, a new age bookstore. And, uh, and they played them and they played this bowl and I, and I immediately went into this feeling like, Oh my God, that's exactly what it feels like. I can feel it through my whole body. Every cell in my body was feeling the second chakra. I was like, that's so cool. That bowl made me feel the exact same way I do when I feel the second chakra. Yeah. And then they play, and then they had another one, which was the, which, which turned out to be the sixth chakra. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm feeling that my head is just like expanding. And, and it's like, and I felt both things. And then, and then they said, well, what are they? And one, and they, and they said, well, this one's a D and this one's 
uh, an A, and I was like, oh, a D and an A, one of those things. And then I did some studying on them, and I realized that the D is the second chakra, and the A is the sixth chakra, and, and, me, six and I, just, I, just, I just woke up so to this realization that, wow, I can train myself through crystal bowls to manage my energy field and, and have more muscle memory for these chakras. So I spent, I bought a huge set of bowls. Over time, I had over 45 bowls. <laughs> and, and, and I would take those things around and play them, not only for my own fun, but also I'd have big groups of people, you know, 20, 30, 40 people would come. And I would do readings afterward about what they felt in their chakras. And then I started realizing that when each person was describing their chakras, they were teaching me what a chakra was, hmm. not based on what the books are, but what really a chakra was. And simultaneously, I noticed that they were telling me about their, what I was, what we called back then character structure, their, this quality. They were either a creative person or a feeling person or a caretaking person or an achieving person or a leadership person. And when they spoke their chakras, I was like, oh my God, they're, talking about their chakra, but what they're really sharing is, is that this is how that chakra works for this life purpose. And so I spent many, many years going around. I still go around and, and do crystal ball workshops. And every time I do, I read people and I let them tell me their story. And every time they tell me their story, I learn more about the energy field. And, and, and that's, 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 that's my crystal ball story. I love the bowls. I use them a lot. I train the, I train the healers in the school with the bowls. They listen to them while they're doing the healing and the, and the bowls help them hold the energy fields and they, and they have, they have, they accelerate their, their ability to manage their energy field, you know, 10 X. Yeah. Does it have to be a ball? Can you do the, no, achieve no, no. the same thing with a guitar or piano or? No, bowl, it has to be a bowl because uh, guitars are metal. Uh, you know, each, 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 each instrument sends out the vibration of what it's made of. Did, didgeridoos could do it, I think. I mean, if you got a, if you got a crystal one, maybe. But the, the issue is, is, that, is that the human body is made out of crystal, right? Water is a liquid crystal. Our energy field is a crystalline. We're, we, our energy field... Is twelve, is 12 notes in the you know, is 12, 12 notes in an octave. We have seven chakras and five spiritual centers. They're all the vibration of the crystalline nature because our body is made out of crystal. The bones are made out of crystal. Everything in our body, I, I, I've heard that there's like 0.1% or something of our body is actually some metal <laughs> in our brain. It's in our head somewhere. We created some sort of metal. But basically... Everything in our body is made out of crystal. And so we are like a crystal tuning fork. And, and when vibrations come through us, the ones that actually wake us up to this reality are crystalline in structure. Yeah, I've got an amazing example of that. So I've also been through a few sound baths and I've got a bowl, one crystal bowl that I just bought and I've got a couple uh, metal ones as well. <clears throat> yep. But I went to... Uh, I was also had the shocker thing as well in the sound and breath workshop, but that was also through different instruments like flutes and didgeridoos and all this kind of stuff. But yep. with this crystal bowl, like I've always been interested in and fascinated by them and, and I feel a relaxation 
state. Like it really affects me physically as well, but I've never thought of them as an immediate healing tool, just as yep. a sort of a preventative thing or like, you know, expanding consciousness or meditation, that type of thing. But my girlfriend has um, difficulty with a bunch of physical, physical things. And the other day she was, uh, she was having really bad stomach cramps again and it, and it stays for quite a while and it gets really bad. So I was doing a little bit of Reiki and I grabbed the crystal bowl and I just thought, I'm going to play this a couple of times. So I did a little couple of gongs and then I played it up and down twice and it immediately got better. She was better like instantly. And we were right. both just blown away. We're like, wow, that was like instantaneous healing. And I had the the sense that it got down into the cellular level, like those vibrations kind of reset everything or something. And then later on that night, she had a bit of a a breath problem and a panic, almost like a panic attack. And I was seriously considering taking her to the hospital. I thought, I'm just going to try this, like this same thing again, this raking the bowl. And again, instantly, instantly like better. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah so, bowls are, bowls, bowls are their, their, their purpose, you know, cause they've just, they've got one purpose is to make that sound. And that sound is, uh, is a, is a higher, vibration of whatever chakra it happens to be right, right. um and uh what bowl what bowl do you have well it was the stomach one so it was it would have been the uh this this the solar third, plexus the yellow would have been third chakra okay so so it would be it would be an e yeah they have an, an e bowl and um which is also the sense of self ah. and self and self-esteem wow and usually when you got a stomach ache it's because you're having a problem with your self-esteem interesting Right. So, so that bowl is doing a lot more, you know, and so, and so then the, then the next level is when you work with her is play the bowl and then not only let her describe how, you know, what's happening, but what is, wh where is she feeling it in her body? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you'll play the third tracker bowl and you'll experience it as something in your head. You know, and you won't feel it in the third chakra. You'll feel it in your head or in your feet or someplace else. And 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 often if you're having an issue in that chakra, in that energy center, um, it's because you're managing that energy center from a different place of your energy field. So uh -huh. if you're if you're doing a lot of thinking about who you are, you might get a headache when the third bowl when the third chakra bowl plays and you realize, Oh crap, yeah, I am I am overthinking this whole situation right now. And it's making me feel bad about myself. Oh, that's interesting. I've never thought. So about yeah, that so way, bowls, yeah. bowls. When you use bowls as a as a healing tool, um, what happens is you play the bowl, and they tell you they tell you what's happening inside their body. They're actually healing themselves while they're doing it. and They don't know it. They think they're just telling you that they had this funny itch thing or this strange color that went through them. But as you learn energy medicine and understand that every color means something. Every, every, literally every joint, every muscle, every organ in the body carries and, and, and manages a different uh, 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 element of your life purpose and of your, and of your, and of your energy field, uh, you know, and, 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 how to, and how to come into balance. Um, and when you feel something, some people are like, oh, God, I'm really feeling this in my liver. And if you feel, it's like my liver started moving when that ball plays. It's like, it's like okay. So, so what's, where, you know, where are you, you know, not moving your emotions and, and your, especially your anger, you know, where are you really holding back on your anger when that, when that liver is getting all angry like that, you know, so each element, knees are, are changing direction in life, hips are moving forward in life, 
uh, ankles are pleasure and, you know, having more pleasure in life. You know, every, every chakra, of course, has its own purpose. And, and you may feel a bowl in any of the chakra system. And then that's, and this is, this is the, this is the difference between uh, a healing technique and full spectrum healing In full spectrum healing. Uh, we, you know, there's, there's no element of the energy field that the, that the practitioner isn't, isn't, you know, well versed in. And so when, you know, if, if you're doing an energy, an energy healing, for instance, and you open up the first chakra, um, you have to be really aware. Well, well, what happened when you open the first chakra? Did the second chakra close? Because once you're in your body, you're not allowed to have your emotions and your and your sexuality, you know, or, you know, what happened? And when you get to the second chakra and you're working on that and that opens up, did the first chakra close again? Are you able to recognize that the system is a system that only comes into balance when the purpose is when the when the when the person's purpose is held in this in this intention of the healer? And if the healer can't figure out a person's purpose, and they're just guessing at the person's purpose, like the person, uh, like the person came in, or the person tells them, "Well, this is my purpose. I'm definitely this." If I had gone in and said, "I'm an achiever, and this is, I just need you to help me be a better achiever," uh, you know, it, it, the healing would never have stuck. It, it might have helped for a little while, but it wouldn't stick because the only thing that sticks in our lives is our real, is our deepest purpose. That's why I wrote the book, <laughs> "Discover Your Purpose," because without that, without that rock to build your life on, none of the rest of it makes sense. Hmm. Well, let's let's get into that a little bit because you 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 talk to. Wonder if that just before, what's that, Darren? What? I wonder if that's a, my bad shoulder. You should bring that bowl of yours over here. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Eh? Well, I got a bad shoulder too, but it's it's not quite as bad as yours, I guess. It's your left too, right? It's my left. Yeah, and we both have a bad left shoulder, which is yeah. Bad left shoulder. I can't okay, so blame it on my childhood because I was right-handed. Me too. <laughs> no, but you can blame it on your on your adulthood. Uh, so, so in shoulders are almost always about carrying someone else's burdens. I don't think Darren's doing that. <laughs> Not doing that. There's nobody, there's nobody that, there's nobody that you're trying to protect or, or, or support or help and trusting that, that you can do that. I mean, sometimes it's your own. Burdens, I have a family like, that I support. Well, there you go. Yeah. Is that, and, and there's a, and, and that anybody that you feel like you're, you, like you, because the left, the left shoulder is about trust and the right shoulder, the right side of the body is the masculine, the left side is the feminine and the left side is about trust and the right side is about, is about belief systems. So, so very simply, if you're dealing with a left shoulder injury or left shoulder, a chronic left shoulder issue, there may be a trust that I can't provide or, or, or protect or support or carry uh, the weight of of these people, my family, my this, and sometimes people get shoulder their shoulders blow out when all of a sudden their parents get sick and they don't think they can you know do their work and take care of their parent and you know uh, you know things happen that way. So so when you're when you're dealing with shoulders, often you're dealing with with uh, you know what how how do you how do you loosen the burden up? And, and one, of the, one of the exercises we do, uh, a bioenergetics exercise, actually an Alexander Lowen exercise, um, is you stand up and, and, and you literally jab your elbows back. So you turn to your right and you jab your right elbow back and you turn hard to your left and you jab your left elbow back at about shoulder level. So the shoulders are up. And each time you do it, you say, get, 
off my back. Get off my back. <laughs> and you do that over and over again. You realize, oh, my God, I carry so many burdens on my back that aren't even real. They're just in my head. And the truth is, is that, is that I can do the best I can do. And, but, I, but when I feel like I, or I don't trust myself that I can do this, that, that energy builds up in that area, and then it causes pain. And pain is always just a lack in the energy field of your fullness. And, and that's what energy work is all about. Uh, you know, Reiki and, 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 uh, and, and the energy work that we do, it's about, it's about releasing the blocks. The Life Purpose Profile System, the book that I wrote, is about how to make it permanent. So let's get into that a bit, a bit the details, because you talk about vows in there as well, which is really interesting because it, it made me think of them in a completely different way. Yeah. <laughs> and how yeah, vows well, kind of, how, how vows can block your purpose, right? Right, right. Well, when someone says you got to block chakra, it's, it, it's a vow. It's like, it's a, it's a vow that you made to always or never in that chakra. So, so chakra is just a chakra energy, an energy the chakra is just a part of your life, right? So the first chakra is just anything solid in your life. You know, your, your, where you are, your, your family, these people that you interact with, everything that's, everything is around you right now. If you're, you know, the desk or your computer or your phone or whatever it is that you got around you, everything in your, in your vicinity is part of your first chakra. How well you deal with that is, is, is based on how healthy your chakra is. If you're totally, okay with everything in your environment all the time, the people in your environment, the, you know, your, your family, which are very much sort of like the grounding force in your life. Uh, you know, if you're all okay with that and it's great, you have a, you have a balanced chakra. Um, but if you had trauma, uh, let's say birth trauma where it wasn't a safe world to come into, or you were, you know, neglected or abused or whatever by your parents, uh, or even just, talk to sternly by your parents, um, you may have made a vow to, uh, you know, make you literally and very unconsciously when you're a child, cause this is your sort of pre-verbal, uh, you know, often when these things happen, but you just sort of, you pull back from being fully present. Yeah. Or and it doesn't you, have to be conscious, right? Like it's not it, a, like it, you had to say this vow. It's just that you did some sort of so conscious vow. Right. Yes, uh, and 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 what a what a vow ultimately is 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 the energetics of pulling back from being whole in the present in the present moment in any of the energy centers. Huh. And and if you pulled back from, let's say, the world was scary. Let's say you came into the world and and there was a lot of noise or people were screaming all the time, and you were just like, and you were more of a gentle soul, and you're just like, I got to get out of here. I can't be living in this world. And you pulled back. That was a vow to. To, to be invisible, right? Yeah. And, and you tried to be invisible as a child, very unconsciously. Later on in life, as adults, we have to look back and say, oh, yeah, that, that vow is actually, I wanted to be invisible. I didn't even know, I was, you know, but, but that's the truth. The truth is, is, that, is that I tried to, I vowed to, to always be invisible in the family. Or you add, you know, more of the aggressor, aggressive sort of like charismatic leader quality within you or a knowledgeable achiever, and you were just like, no. I don't, I don't back down. Even at two years old, you're like, I don't back down for anybody. I'm here. I deserve my place. I'm taking it. And that's that. And you vow to always get what you need in life. And then you're a battler. Then you're a, then you're a, you know, you're a, you're a, you're, you're someone who pushes back when someone, when someone, you know, is loud, you say, shut up. Or, you, you know, you do your, and then you vow to always have it your way and be more controlling in the world. And that's, and, and, and that's the opposite wound 
the truth is, is that sometimes we have to stand up for ourselves and sometimes we should just disappear. And, and, and you know, and we have to be able to do both in, in a chakra. Uh, the same thing would, would, would apply in your second chakra, your feelings, your emotions, your sexuality. You know, you learned very early as a child that, that um, you know, walking around uh, naked uh, was not cool in, 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 uh, in most American uh, cultures or in, in most cultures, there's, there's, there's an issue with that. And so maybe little children can do it, but once you get to a certain age, absolutely not. And you vowed to never show, you know, your sexuality or you never showed your feelings, or maybe you were a deep feeler, really passionate or really, you cried a lot. And, and your parents said, and your parents, you know, were just like, just stop crying. What's the matter with you? Why are you such a cry baby? You know, and you're like, ah, oh. and you, and internally, that rejection of this pure quality within you that liked to cry and had needed to cry, you, you, you literally make a vow to, to, to say, you know, in, internally you pull away from having that and say, I don't need to do that. I, I will never cry again or, or you, or you go the other way where you say, where you, where you say, no, I'm going to make you listen to me and you have to listen to me and I'm going to. And so then you go into the, and this is like, this creates either an excessive need or a deficient need in a chakra. And those are, and that's, and when a healer goes through your chakras and tries to heal them, that's what they're healing. They're healing those wounds in the chakra. And, but the, but keep in mind that what we're talking about here, it, it boils down to, uh, to, to the purpose in this way. Um, when we're growing up as a, as a child, our first few years of life, most of the time we spent actually being who we are. We played, we were open, you know, unless you had very severe circumstances as, as a, as a child up until at least two or three, we're pretty much completely in our own world. We're not even, you know, our eyes haven't, haven't even totally learned to focus fully on things. Uh, and, and, but we live in this state of, me, I, you know, I'm, I am just alive and I'm this, I'm this non-form that seems to love to be here and plays and cries and eats and, you know, sleeps and just this, it's just this like amazing journey. And, uh, and then at some point in our life, our parents hook our attention, uh, and, 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 and try to, and begin to teach us their language and in the language are all these emotional codes of, of how our family thinks and does things and, and in and our behavior and you're a boy and you have to wear these types of clothes or you're a girl and you have to wear pink and you have to behave like this and this is what we do. And at some point, over and over and over, we had to, in, in, in all these different dimensions of our lives, in our, in our physical world, in our emotional world, in our, uh, and these are all the chakras, in our uh, how we behave and act and share and, and show ourselves in our relationships, how we go into relationship, how we speak, the words we speak, the, the, the language we speak, the, the religion we talk, you know, and then, our, and then the way our mind works and what we can see and what we can't see. You, you know, we can see our parent is an alcoholic, but they say, your father's not an alcoholic. And then all of a sudden you're like, shit, we've got to close that down. And, and, then, and, then, we've, and then we go to, uh, you know, to, to infinite possibility. Well, you know, if nobody in the family believes in infinite possibility, if everything's limited, your seventh chakra had no, have no programming. And, and so what ends up happening is in each of those instances to honor our family, we have to make the choice between being who we actually are and being loved. Hmm. 
And we always choose love because we're taught, we know inside that if we don't get loved and supported and, and don't conform in some way to the family's rules, they won't even know who we, they won't know how to deal with us. If we stayed in that non-form world and we were like, no, you can't name me. <laughs> how can you name this? I am, I'm the whole universe, right? Your parents would send you to the loony bin. We know we would be put up for adoption if we were not able to do that. And we, and so we always choose love and attention over our true self. And, and when we lose that quality, the way we do that is by vowing to hide that quality or to, or we vow to always show just one quality over another one. So for me, I learned to be a, you know, I, I learned to be a really smiley, good, upbeat boy. So that leads to a lot of repression. Um, how do you use the bowls? Can you use the bowls to deal with like repressed emotions and things like that? Yeah. Well, I mean, every time you play a bowl, you feel something, right? Uh, well, to be honest, I don't have a whole ton of experience, but I just have this one beat up one in the studio. (laughs) Okay. It's really, actually, it's really, it's like a traditional right now, right now. Okay. Uh, do you know what, what, which, which bowl it is? No, he doesn't, he doesn't know what bowl it is. No, it's, it's like an old, uh, it doesn't have a label in it. No, it's an old traditional um, Tibetan style bowl. It's it's metal and it's oh, it's a metal one. Brass right, or, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't help. The Tibetan bowls. Or... The Tibetan bowls are really good for uh, for like meditation because the. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Tibetan bowls are really good for meditation because because the the next octave up from the crystal world which we live in is the metal world. So. So they pull us up out of our body more and into the sort of these, this next octave of our, of reality above us, but they don't really hit us, punch us in the stomach. Like the crystal balls do the crystal balls are like, this is your life. Deal with it. (laughs) And, and so that's why I use them because I have a, I have an energy medicine school that has no fluff involved. There's no, it's like nothing we do in the school has any fluff. I, you know, people come in, uh, they come in five weekends a year for full weekends and, uh, and they, they dig, you know, and they have fun and we play and we, and, and it's like, okay, you know, I, I mean, to me, the sign of a soulful person is a person that knows how to laugh uncontrollably and has a, just a blast in life. And, and when people come in, they're so serious about everything. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> that's, that's not your soul. That's nothing to do with your soul. There is no such thing as a serious soul. The soul is just laughing and playing and loving how serious you think you are and, and, and learning how to feel again is really the key. So when you play a crystal bowl, every time you play a crystal bowl, you feel something. And, it, and some people even say, well, I didn't feel anything. I'm like, okay, so tell me, tell me what happened when you didn't feel anything. And, and I've, because I've, I've found after doing tens of thousands of people through workshops uh, that there's an infinite number of ways not to feel. And everybody feels, you know, it's like, why, you know, what was going on? What was happening in your head? Because when you're not feeling something in your body, you're probably thinking something in your head. And so, and, and whatever happens when the bowl plays tells you either what your highest potential is in this moment, in that dimension of your life, or it tells you how you're blocking it. Hmm. 
So, and when you learn to read the body, the energy body, which is what energy medicine's about, you, you read not only the, the, you know, know what's happening in the energy field at all these different levels, but you also understand that underlying that, the chakras serve the, the purpose of life. They don't, the chakras aren't independent of your life purpose, and you have chakras that only serve your profile, what we call this, this profile. This profile is the primary archetype, which is what Jung called, the, he, was, he, was, he was talking about the primary archetype, but he didn't have the profile, so he just called it, everybody has a primary archetype. Mm-hmm. He didn't know that there were these five, but these five are the primary archetypes that we build everything on, and our chakras are the servants of our purpose. And, and you talk about this when you do the questionnaire, that, that you have to be mindful of not just how you're feeling now, but how you, your, your profile, how you've been throughout life, right? It's more of a general thing, so you can figure out not just like where you're at now, but in general, right? Yeah, I mean, you want to, you want to, you realize if you, if you're really picking your profile or your or your real purpose in life, and that's really the ultimate goal, not just sort of like who I am now, because uh, if I had taken my profile assessment uh, back when I was in my 30s, I would have definitely, you know, come out with a lot of knowledgeable achiever in there, and and said, well, that's definitely what I am, but knowing now. Uh, you know, what I know and, and, and I've, I've positioned the questions in a way that it, it triggers slightly different ways of, of getting at this. Um, it would have also really shown that I was actually higher in the creative idealist, uh, which is just, which is very similar to the knowledgeable achiever, but, but that the idea I would, I would say, well, the way I think about this is a very achieving oriented um, but the truth is, is that the way I think about it is very creative, very sort of dissociated and really out there and, and coming up with, with, with new ideas. So, so the, um, you know, so the, so the use of the, of the profile assessment um, to discover who you are, the, the one that's in the book is the, is the initial assessment, just sort of like, okay, let's go through this. And you want to look back and say, who I have been was stamped on my forehead when I was born. It was a contract I made. My soul made a contract to come into the world and express something very specific. It's really simple. It's like, it's so hard to figure out, but it's really simple. It's like, we're here to be creative. We're here to be compassionate. We're here to be, uh, you know, we're here to, we're here to uh, stand up and advocate for people. We're here to just something. It's like, it's like there's this one thing we're here to do that our soul said, okay, good. Now, here's all the contracts you're going to have in this lifetime where you're going to get betrayed. You're going to get, you know, you're going to have issues with this type of person. You're going to have a parent who won't ever let you have, you know, that won't advocate for anybody. And then you're going to say, well, I'm going to advocate for everybody, you know, and then you're going to, and, and you're going to, and you're going to have all of these contracts you have in your life that force you to make choices for in the positive or the shadow or the life, but ultimately are constantly leading you everything that's ever happened in your life. You should be able to relate to your profile, everything, every event. So let's talk about the five. You got the five profiles there, right? So you got creative idealist, emotional intelligence specialist, team player, charismatic leader, charmer, and knowledgeable achiever, right? So I I have to be honest. I have a hard time putting my, I have a hard time answering these kind of questions because a lot of times I feel like I, I have a bit of each and, and then you know, tallying it up. Um, Darren and I both did this, so maybe you can help us sort of figure out our, uh, our well, tallies sure. here. 
Yeah, who yep. wins? <laughs> <laughs> so, what an evil laugh. So I so I came up with uh nine nine eleven six four. So nine and nine so I felt like the first three were the first three were almost tied. So creative idealist, emotional intelligence specialist, and team player were all fairly high. And yet I thought that the other two were just as high as well, but when I tallied them up they weren't. So so okay, so you had nine nine creative idealists, nine emotional intelligence specialists, eleven uh six and team four. player. Yeah. Yeah. And then six ca- and uh, uh, charismatic leader Yeah, and four knowledgeable achiever. Okay. Yeah. All right. Darren, what do you have? I had nine, three, <laughs> 10, <laughs> 13, and nine. Wow. Okay. Huh. All right. Good. So, so, um, all right. So, uh, let's start, let's, we, I mean, we can start with either one, but Graham, you went first. So let's, let's start with you. First of all, both of you have high scores in all but one profile. Okay. Right. Yep. Well, high, if six is considered high. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, six is, you have one eleven and one six, but you got two nines yeah. an 11 and a six, six yeah. is only three off. So yeah. I mean, six is, Six is a little bit lower. So, so Graham, you're, you definitely lean more toward the uh, creative and softer elements of life, right? Yeah, absolutely. You're not like, you're not like a guy going out. You're not going to a bar and looking for a fight. No. Okay. All right. And, uh, and so, and so that, those are your strong suits. But you do see yourself in the charismatic leader and there's no way for you to be on the radio without having some charismatic leader. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the charismatic leader's job is to inspire other people and you happen to do it through your deeper feelings and through your creative nature. Yeah. Okay. And I've been and more of a lead, like honestly, as far as the leader goes, I've had more of a past of like managing large groups of people and coaching teams and stuff like that. But, but I'm not in that sort of leadership capacity anymore, but. Well, I mean, you, but you, you know, you, you are, you are in what you're doing right now. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you have, when you have uh, four, four out of five, that are they're big. Uh, you know, you've got three out of five that are big and, and one that's one that's pretty solid. Six is a solid, a solid score. And this, by the way, this is the, this, this, the, the profile assessment in the book is the initial one that you take just to sort of get started. And, uh, and then you read your, the questions and then you run the questions through the process as you go through the book. Um, but there is, you know, the next level up of this is that rather than a hundred questions, there's a 500 question test that assesses a lot of other elements like your secondary profiles and mm-hmm. your, and, and it also helps you with your, uh, uh, understand which of the questions you answered from defense and which ones you answered from core, which also helped to, to do this. But, but this is a really good general, these, this is a really good assessment that gets everybody going. Uh, and, um, and, and so you had, uh, you know, so, so you had this larger group and whenever you have, and when I, what I, what we talk about in the book is whenever you have four out of five that are really high, you're, you're dealing with a charismatic leader. Huh. That okay. can, that can bring in other, other profiles as that, that by their nature, by their nature, they, they have more acting ability. They, 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 they use the other profiles to, um, you know, to, to express themselves. 
So rather than just being sort of like, a, you know, your typical charismatic leader, which is like a, you know, a warrior or a CEO or, a, you know, somebody that's like super powerful, you may, you know, you may have this other, you've got this creative idealist quality within you as well. That's much more sort of like your purpose, the way you like to inspire people, the way you like to lead is by helping people out, doing nice things for people. Yeah, yeah. You have got the softer sort of emotional side of the charismatic leader rather than the, rather than the aggressive. Yeah. yeah so that's, I, that's good. I would say that you're, you know, you, you fall into sort of like the, the gentle charismatic leader who's really for all intents and purposes lives more in creative idealist and think, trying to think up great ways to do things uh, than, um, you know, than, than being really aggressive and, and controlling. Yeah. Nice. Nicely okay. done. Okay. Let's go All right. to Darren's. All right. So Darren, um, you've got a little more of the, of the aggressive and controlling, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, the, 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 uh, the, you know, what you've got is you've got, you've got strength in all, but the emotional one. And yeah. So my wife would definitely agree with that. I'm working on it though. <laughs> I'm working on it. Yeah. Well, well, I mean, you know, you may not be wired for that. You know, it's like, you got to have a chakra for that. Um, but, uh, but, but the fact is, is that, is that when you're on the radio by your nature, you got to be able to think on your feet, which is one of the charismatic leader qualities, but also the type of radio you're doing right now, which is more spiritual. You know, that's that, that's that, you know, you, you know, you connect to, you know, you connect the creative idealist. The, I think that the, that the team player quality within you, is uh, I'm not sure which ones you you picked, but um, but they may be more like you said. You've got a family. They may be more that you are protective of other people that you feel like like you're probably protective of Graham, right? No, no, <laughs> never. Well, kinda. I wouldn't let anyone beat him up. <laughs> Well, but I like to okay. poke fun at his expense whenever I can. Well, well, yeah, yeah, but that's but but if someone else were poking fun at his expense, how would you feel about He'd it? He'd laugh. Depends how serious yeah. it was. Depends how serious it was, right? Exactly. You'd know that if someone were really were really putting him down, you'd get in their face. Probably. I guess we'd have to test it. <laughs> you have to test that out, right? Right. So, but there's, but so, so yeah. And, but, but the fact that you saw, you know, you picked a lot of the, of the charismatic leader ones is a sign that you've carried that energy and that you carry it in a strong way. And you also picked strong, uh, achiever. So, so the, so the number five and number, number, number four and five are the strongest qualities. And when you have both of those, when you score high on both of those, you're a strong personality. I would probably agree with that. Yeah. Right. I'm boss. And, and, and the fact, and the fact that you, you know, that you picked a bunch of caretaking ones is you may do less people pleasing, like, which is part of the, part of the caretaker, the 10, the third, and the number three, that's the, that's the strong quality where you caretake other people and you, and you're, and you're there for them. Um, you may find that you do it out of, uh, as long if if I do this for other people, uh, they're going to at least be doing it my way. Hmm. So, so the charismatic leader is a great. Of course, if you if if a charismatic leader isn't leading a bunch of people, they're not a leader, right? That's right. And so they really, by their nature, know how to manage groups and know how to you know how to how to help other people get what they want to get to get to because that's leadership. Yeah, but. 
But the real charismatic leader, if you really own your power, you realize that even when you're helping other people get what they want, what you're really saying is, hey, let's work as a team and do it my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, I've got the I'm going to lead you to be more successful. And that's not actually caretaking others. It's 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 sort of helping them do or helping them do what you know would be best for them. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Does that make sense to you, Darren? Can that, you does make, that? that does make sense, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm in a leadership role at my work and things like that. Yep. I enjoy it. I do nice. enjoy my job more than most people probably do. Maybe it's because yeah. I'm in my, like, that's, in that's where I'm supposed to be doing. And, yeah. and he thinks he yeah. takes a leadership role in the podcast, but he doesn't really. <laughs> I just no. Well, I did have to pull you. I I did have to drag you and kicking and screaming. Now that you oh, yeah, now that you're true. here, you're loving it. But yeah. in the beginning, it was uh, yeah. Possibilinus genome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So what type what type of work do you do? Uh, construction. Construction. Okay. Yeah, and that's a very much of a charismatic leader, and, you know, and knowledgeable achiever type of job. Uh, what do you do there? What do you, what kind of what's your what's your role? I I like. Um, Run the field employees. Okay, yeah. So you're so you're managing tough guys, and to manage tough guys, you got to be tough. Yeah, and strong. Yeah, and you got to t- and and you got to and you got to say, we're going to work as a team, and we're doing it my way. Because if you do it your way, someone's going to get hurt. That's right. Or stairs get installed wrong. Right. <laughs> and and then and then it's my and then it's my problem, and I'm not going to make it my problem. It's going to be your problem first, right? So that's, so yeah. And, and, uh, and so that's, and then, and then, uh, um, uh, Graham, what do you do? I work in the same company and I just, I just do the office part of it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Office work in in the construction company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which goes along with your creative idealist, sort of like that, that other, you know, that other part of you where you're, you know, where you're running, you, you get, you get to run things, you get to do things, but basically, you know, you're happy to just, you know, help out, you know, you do care you know, in you know, the way you the way you do your uh, your work is much more sort of like you know softer and caring and nurturing type of type of part, and that's yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's your that's your leadership role. Yeah. So uh, they're good, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so you look at you know you look at your big numbers, and those are your primaries, and and you know you'd want to look uh, Graham and see if uh, you know if if those things serve what you really want, how you really want to lead. Or whether those are really what you enjoy doing, being creatively helping and nurturing other people, um, you know, and then you do some leading, you know, those could be those could be more your, you know, more your 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 primary energies. Hmm. So you so you, when you when you look at the at the test, uh, this this test only gives you, you know, it's only got a hundred questions in there, uh, and it's only, you know, it's, and uh, um, so uh, you know, it's only got twenty of each of each profile, and those are divided. 10 in the, in the shadow or the, or the negative and 10 in the positive. So, um, so they're not, you know, you're not going to, you know, you're not, you're not going to get incredibly deep in this, but this gives you, this give you, gave you both sort of like a, Oh, you know, we got a lot going on here in these different, I do a lot of these, a lot of these different behaviors. And when you've got a lot of behaviors, you know, that's, that's a sign usually of a, uh, uh, you know, of, of, of a person who's more versatile, which would mean a charismatic leader. So let's talk about the, after you do that, then there's each, 
you have a chapter on each one as well, and, and you can yeah. you, you have guided meditations as well to to help tap into that or get into how to look at how your defense mechanism is for each profile as well, right? Yeah, and, and the big the big meditation is the one that we uh, you know that, that everybody wants to do is going back and finding that place in your childhood that was what we call your secret place, like the place where you were totally able to be who you are. Mm-hmm. And when you loved, it was like, you know, you'd sneak out of the house and you'd go to your little place. You know, I had, I had, I had a few different ones. Um, you know, I had a tree that I'd climb all the way up on the top of, you know, and, and, and I would imagine I was flying and, you know, and, 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 and I, and, and I was, and I loved being up high, like, like out literally, you know, like my creative ideals out of my body up, up in the, up in the heavens. You know, I loved, I loved doing that. And, and, uh, and then I also had a place that I went where, uh, up in the woods where there was like a rocky knoll. I would go in there and I would make, I was literally, I loved the idea of a superhero and, um, and I would make different superheroes out of rocks and sticks and, and dirt and, you know, mud and whatever it was. I was, I was making these things and I was imagining all these different things that we could make superheroes of. And of course I didn't know about Marvel comics. I would have, you know, <laughs> a million superheroes already developed. But I was making them up as I went along, and 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 so now here's the two things I do in my school. You know, I uh, I bring this sort of like this this I channel this sort of this consciousness, the new ways of seeing yourself and your soul. Uh, you know, in each moment from that sort of higher place up in the tree, and then and then the one thing that I do with every person in the school before they graduate is they know for sure what their who what their superhero is. Like what is inside of you? What's your, you know, I also, I was just writing some things about another way to look at it is each one of us has an Olympic event in us that we're, that we are born to get gold in and, and we need to spend our whole life, you know, (laughs) our whole life should be, should be, you know, focused on discovering what event we can get a gold in because that's the one that everybody needs us to be, to do so we can inspire them. So when these, you know, Crazy silver okay? <laughs> I'm going to silver huh? last week. <laughs> Is silver, silver okay? Last week? Not at the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. Well, it's a Canadian ball hockey Olympics. That's true. Equivalent. Yeah. There you go. Well, and if you're getting a silver, you're probably getting pretty close. So, but but which is the, the key is there's one thing you're here to inspire the world with, and you got to figure that out. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's really, you know, what I, and, and what I do with, uh, you know, one of the things we, we, we do in the, in the program is, uh, and we have actually a lot of Canadians in the, uh, in the, in the program, they come down, they, they love this stuff. Uh, uh, cause you know, Canadians definitely, uh, um, uh, you know, are more open to this for some reason, you know, the, the, to, you know, our, our Americans are trained in, in allopathic medicine, uh, in a hardcore way. But, um, but anyway, so, so, you know, you're finding this quality within you, this superhero quality that was really fun. And that's what, and I've been doing that ever since I was a kid. So each of us, when we find this place that we actually remember being loving, like that was the place I used to go and hide. And then, and then, you know, later you gave up on it and you, you gave out, you know, you started sports and you did other things and you got a girlfriend and you did, it was just like, that was totally lost. The truth is, is that what you did in that secret place is actually the same thing you're going to do in your life to 
inspire the world as an adult. That's going to be your business. It's going to be how you, how you really inspire people and change people. Did you have a secret place, Darren? Um, I can't remember. I, I took a, I took a while to get to my secret place. I thought I was looking, thinking when I was back in the little kid, and then I remembered I had a tree. There's a sort of a tree area, like a little clearing, the tree up on this hill How behind my you? place at like nine, I think. Oh, that old. So what grade is that? It's like grade three or four, maybe. No, I don't. I'm not sure. I don't think. Yeah, I, I think you're in third grade or fourth grade. My bedroom, yeah. I think. Like I had a bedroom off on its own down in the basement, so. Yep, that, that can do it too. Yeah. 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 That would be the bedroom. As long as, as long as you can feel like when you close the door, some people have a closet or a crawl space or a basement or attic or something. It's like somehow that's a space that nobody else can get in and then you don't have to play by the rules in the, of, the, of the house. Because inside, inside a, parent, a, parent's, a parent's house is their energy and there's rules that are just established. They're like energetic rules. It's like a keyhole that you got to fit through. And when you walk into their house, those energetic rules, that energetic keyhole forces you to bend your body and crunch yourself down to fit into their world. And, you know, but the issue is, is that when you're actually who you are, your field's totally expanded, you're non-form. You don't even, you know, I mean, thinking I'm a boy and I'm doing this and this is what I'll ultimately do in my life. You're just dreaming. Your your whole existence is a dream, and that's true of a, of a conscious person. You're not thinking your way through life. You're literally, you know, part of the flow of the universe, and you're and you're creating your dream as you go. The problem with my secret place is this would have been 1979 or 78. I was even born. A bunch yet. of ripped up Playboys there and all that. So of course, like me and my friends are, you know, you're getting your first view of like naked women. So that's well, where my my superhero. That's probably why. That's probably why I loved, loved that Wonder makes Woman. A lot of sense. No, like I love I loved Wonder Woman when I was a kid. That was my superhero, probably. <laughs> superhero. Perfect. Well, well, and also, and also, so, so this, so this lends, this lends to the uh, uh, a little bit to to how strong your creative idealist is. Creative idealists love fantasy. There you go. You know, they yeah, love fantasy. Too much and, again. Of course it, at nine, little boys fantasize about all that stuff. So, but that's, that's, uh, but yeah, for sure. That, that would be, you know, something that's what creative idealists love the internet. They love, you know, anything they, they, you know, the more, the, the more there is, the better it is. So what about the lower and the higher self? You know, you talk a, a bit about that, how you can't spend, uh, even before we started chatting here, we were talking a little bit about that. You, you yeah. mentioned that, uh, you know, you can't stay in your higher self for too long, but that's where. That's where the soul is, I guess, right? But but yeah. Well, the higher the higher self, the higher self and lower self. What I talk about in the book, once again, I've sort of taken some of the greatest thinkers in the world, you know, who, who have really established that there's this lower self that's sort of like your your base instincts and your animal and your you know your lizard brain and 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 uh, uh, and, uh, and and it's uh, you know it's aggressive and. And, you know, cause all the problems. And then you get this higher self, which is your soul and your wisdom and your, and all that. And, you know, the great thing about doing the work that I do is I get to run this through thousands of people. And, uh, and what I've found is that that's not true. What I've found is that, is that each of us have a lower self 
quality that is just as much a part of our life purpose as our higher self quality. Mm. And when the two integrate, we become a human being, not a soul in a body, not a body, you know, being successful and driven and, and winning at all costs, but a per, like a human being that, that really is establishing this radiant purpose in life that it will wake up other human beings to their deeper purpose in life, which is really the goal. The goal is, we, we, so we tend, we tend to either be in survival mode where we're just get what we need to get and, you know, and, and get it in the bank uh, and, and screw everybody else. You know, we're, you know, we're going to, you know, block ourselves off. We're going to, you know, just protect ourselves. We're going to get a gun. We're going to do whatever it is, you know, whatever the thing is that, that, that we're doing in that, in the lower self, we need to survive. Um, and, and, and that's, and, and that's, we're either caught in that or, uh, people tend to get into this sort of sense of, well, there's really a higher purpose and that higher purpose is this and all good people do this and all. And there's, and these are both, uh, wounds of the lower chakras. The lower chakras are the lower self. And, um, and it's where, you know, you've either rejected your lower self or you've just embraced it and said, this is the only way to survive. And um, kind of like, kind of like all the chakras being in balance really would be the same. Yeah, thing, right? And so, and so, right. So, so the upper three chakras are the higher self. The lower three chakras are the, are the lower self and the heart is really as close to the soul energy as we have in the chakra system. And so the heart is the, is the sort of the wisdom to remind the higher self that it doesn't have the energy to do anything on its own in the, in the physical world. The lower chakras have all of the power to do things and to express yourself and to be solid and really, really make a vibrational difference in the world. Um, you know, you have to have the lower chakras. You have to be a person to be able to make a difference in the world. You can't just be a spirit. If spirits could have changed the world, they already would have. People have to change the world. Now, our wisdom, the higher self that knows what we're here to do with this body, with this, and, and knows that we have a very specific purpose for these, all these gifts and skills and energies and, and emotions and things that we have uniquely in the world. Um, when that comes together, the heart says, okay, you know, you both have got to, you both are right. Yes, you have this higher purpose, which is very altruistic. And simultaneously, it has to serve your individual evolution. So, so the higher self says, we need to evolve all of humanity and be part of this higher, higher wisdom in the world. And the lower self says, whoa, if it's not good for me, I'm not freaking doing it. And, and the reality is, is, that, is that when your heart gets involved and integrates the two, you can choose something that totally serves you and evolves humanity. So I use, so I use Martin Luther King as, as the perfect example. The guy, this, the only way he could be that altruistic to literally being willing, be, be willing to die for his cause, he had to be the biggest, simultaneously the biggest narcissist, this lower self had to be massively narcissistic to be able to be that altruistic. And let me, let me explain. Um, so, so to, be the one that has to stand up and say what needs to be said. You have to know you're the one. Mm -hmm. You have to believe that what you, what your mission is, is the mission. 
that's a narcissistic, that is a, that's a sense of what I'm doing is the thing that will change the world. I have to see myself that way. Yeah. And I have to, and I have to live the life of making, of, of, of really under, you know, struggling between what I want and what I want to do for others. But ultimately when he <clears throat> found his mission and was able to do that, which charismatic leaders do, they find their mission and their mission will be to save other people, to support other people, to, to bring people out of the darkness uh, and to battle with the forces that, that be that's what he did, and he was able to integrate himself in that moment and and make his you know and live his his total purpose. Now it's an interesting story. I heard uh, a couple of years ago there was a gentleman on uh, they had an interview recorded of of one of uh, the closest um, workers with uh, Martin Luther King, the guy you know, was basically everything he did. He was part of that whole, of, of the whole journey from beginning to end. And he said that Martin Luther King, um, about six months before, uh, the marches, Martin Luther King left the country and he wasn't coming back. Hmm. And he went to India of all places. And he went to the ashram where Gandhi went to soul search before he did his walk. And he went there and he wanted to, you know, find out what's the real truth here. And he knew he was going to get killed. He knew that the chance of him surviving was, was nil. And he wasn't sure he wanted it that bad. He wasn't sure that was what his mission was. And he went there and he meditated and he did this and he came back and he did it and Mm. he died for it. But he, he, that, that self preservation was first. And then he had to say, and I'm bigger than that. And there's something in me, this higher self, this higher purpose takes this person that I am. And he was not a man without his, without his, his shadows. He had all sorts of issues. Um, and they say that he had depression and bipolar and all sorts of other things that, that go along with real power. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's because it can be used for both shadow and light. Um, and he had to make this choice of what his purpose was, what he was really here to stand for in life. And he did it. Mm. And so, and so he's sort of the premier example, but each of us have these qualities that can be just sort of petty and controlling and manipulative, uh, that we kind of go, well, I'm not really that. I'm really this, I'm really this higher self. I'm really, you know, a better person than that. But the truth is you're not a better person than that. And that quality actually isn't what you think it is. It's actually energy that will give your higher purpose its actual legs, its actual power to do something. Right. That makes sense. So we've covered most of the book, but the one thing before we wrap it up that I wanted to you to mention is about the mates, like your soulmates and relationships and how you've defined some of the advantages of being, you know, with somebody of this certain type or that type of thing, or how yeah. you can actually mitigate certain differences and that type of thing. Well, one of the, one of the things about soulmates, and I, and this is the one of the major things I do at the school. And by the way, the school's URL is is um, reesthomasinstitute dot com, okay. and uh, and the book and the book URL is discoveryourpurposebook.com. dot com. Uh, you can also buy it on Amazon, but if you buy it on on the uh, on the discoveryourpurposebook.com, you'll also get some videos and a lot of support materials and things like that, other bonus stuff. 
Okay. I'm um, going to put all those links in the show notes for people as well. They can just click on that. Okay. All right. Perfect. So, um, so we're, so, you know, when, uh, when we're talking about soulmates, uh, what I do at the school is I create each year I put out there, we got another year started and we do somewhere between 40 and 50 students usually each year. Uh, that come into the program and they and there's a three year training that we do, but it's like it's one year at a time. It's three modules, and uh, most people do them in order because what happens is is that uh, when you come in and discover who you are, and we the very first weekend we point out to everybody in the room who they actually are. Now the person who we're talking to is the only one that doesn't actually fully get it because it's really hard to see yourself, but everybody else in the room sees you for who you really are. And, and when you are in relationships with people who don't see your story, they don't see your mask, they see who you really are, that's a soul relationship. That's like the beginning of a soul relationship. So learning the profiles, learning how to read the profiles, learning how to see the greatness in other people is the way the soul sees. So the easiest way to find a soulmate is to learn who you are and then who someone else is and recognize that there's a, that there isn't one person on the planet that isn't amazing. So that's the first, that's the first easy piece. Once you learn the profiles, you just start liking people more, you know, and, and, and truly, if you really are honest about it, you know, by the time we turn, you know, 35 or 40, we don't really like people that much anymore. You know, it's just like, you know, you like the people that are helping you out and you're pretty much everybody else is just a pain in the ass. Uh, but, but the truth is, is that, is that, People are amazing, and, and, and you'll only learn who you are by being in relationship with more and more and more and new people and every person that you meet and make, and make friends with. You can see more of yourself in their eyes. That's how you know who you are. You can't actually see who you are uh, directly. Uh, your life purpose, I always say your life purpose is stamped on your forehead, and, and you can't see it. If you, look, you can look up. When you look in the mirror, it's always backward. Uh, you can't quite figure out what your life purpose is, but you can see it in the eyes of other people because when you're being your life purpose, their eyes shine when they see you and you can see the sparkle in their eyes as they perceive that. And when you're trying to be somebody that you aren't, there's always a dull look in their eye and you're like, Oh, so, so you learn how you learn who you are through that. Now in, in the bigger, in the bigger picture, um, there are two out of the five profiles there are four of them that are relational and one that is not. And, um, and the, uh, you know, four of them that are more relational, they're all of course relationship oriented in the world, but the charismatic leader will always find their soulmate and partner in a team player. And they're hmm. natural, they're natural partners because the charismatic leader is a one and only leading and the team player is a, I want to help you lead. I want to support you. I'm a, I'm a super supporter of you and your leadership. And they're not self-centered. They want to help others. So those two are natural, a natural pair. And the team player teaches the charismatic leader in their life how to care more about people, which they have to if they're ever going to lead people. And the, uh, and the charismatic leader teaches the team player to set their boundaries and not just be a doormat. Right. So they, so they serve each other. So they serve, so they teach each other what they really need to do because a team player is a person who has 50, 50 relationships. They don't do 80, 20 in relationship. They do 50, 50, but they always do their 50%. They will always do their, their work. 
maybe a few more percentage points, but they don't, but they know that if they're doing 80% of the work in a relationship, they're going to eventually get resentful and not like it. So, so the charismatic leader says, yeah, you got you you do count and you count at least 50%. And so they learn that from each other. And then the other two natural uh, soulmate combinations are the knowledgeable achievers uh, and the emotional intelligence specialist, even though they seem like, you know, like, like the charismatic leader and team player, they seem like opposites. Those opposites are what attract and those opposites are what teach the other one about it. And most people, when they find their first relationships, will find that combination. They just, and, then, and, then they, and then divorce comes because they actually end up standing in such judgment of the other person. So, so the knowledgeable achiever is like the tin man. They're the totally focused, driven, uh, you know, they're often emotionless. They, they, they have less emotion because they, they hold their emotions back so they can achieve. And the emotional intelligence specialist, of course, is all emotions and feelings. And, and, and so what happens is, is that, but, the, but the emotional intelligence specialist really holds the heart. And the charismatic and, and sort of the knowledgeable achiever is this person who needs, who really has a very delicate heart on the inside. They protect it like the Tin Man. They, you know, Tin Man was always looking for his heart. It's funny that that's, that, that, that that's how that worked. But the, um, you know, they are, they actually protect their heart um, because it's actually very, very tender. They actually care a lot. They, you know, the knowledgeable achiever, um, you know, is, you know, is really a very compassionate person. It helps a lot of people get, get, you know, become successful. But so, so the, so the emotional intelligence specialist reminds the knowledgeable achiever that without feelings, they can't actually feel who's right for what job. And they're, and the, and they're often great managers and organizers. And, and so they can't feel that. And, uh, and then the knowledgeable achiever teaches the emotional intelligence specialist how to, um, to, to sort of recognize that their feelings are actually a power and a strength. Uh, and they learn how to, how to uh, contain their feelings long enough to see what the feeling is guiding them to. Because the, the, the emotional intelligence specialist left to their own devices is just flow of feelings and feelings and feelings and feelings, and they never really can figure out what's happening in the world because they're being overwhelmed by everything. Whereas the knowledgeable achiever teaches them to contain those feelings just long enough that the wisdom in the feeling comes out and they become these deeper, you know, this deeper wisdom. And then of course the last one, the creative idealist, um, tend to be, tend not to be in relationship with people as much as their ideas and their, and their sort of like their, their, uh, creative endeavors, their art, their books, their things like that. Uh, and they will, and they will come into their, uh, relationships through their secondary. So their soulmates come in through their secondary qualities, unless they meet and decide that they want to be with a creative idealist, which is totally fine. And then there's, they're also can be soulmates. So even if people aren't, aren't <clears throat> matching up directly, I guess you recommend that couples do that. And then even being aware of each other's profile would, would, uh, would help, totally. I guess. Yeah. Totally. I mean, if, if the, if the, if the match, if the matching sites on, um, uh, match.com, those things, if they use this system, they would have, I mean, I don't know what the percentage would be, but I would bet that they get 20 or 30% more success rate. Than they do. Is that what you're going to start up in the future here? That's a good idea. No, I don't really, I don't really care about that what, crap. What, what do you got That's going been, on? What do you got going on now? Well, what I what I'm actually doing right now is I'm working on a book, uh, a business book. How do you, you know, how do you start your own business, or how, if you're already in a business, 
how do you make sure that your business really is you? You know, it's like if you, if you, if you now you know your life purpose, okay, so what's your deliverable? You know, so the, so the business book says, okay, you, everybody's got a, uh, everybody not only has a, who they are, but you've also got a deliverable. And that deliverable is your business. It is like whatever you, whatever you say your business is, you know, you make a widget or you've got a service business or you got whatever. There's something that you, your profile, and then your unique profile delivers and uh, that people walk away with. And that's really the key. So it's a book that's going to be about how to use the profiles to, you know, to discover what you actually deliver, how to deliver it, and uh, you know, and then how to market it in the world, so that so that it supports, you know, so you can, you know, get your individual message out, which everybody's waiting for. No, there isn't a person on the planet that doesn't have a unique message. That there are lots of people on the planet that are waiting for. Right on. That well sounds said. like a good compliment. Yeah. Are you on? Uh, are you on Twitter or Facebook or anything like that that our listeners can track you down? Yep. Yep. You can track me down on Facebook. Uh, and at Reese Thomas Institute uh, is on there, as well as my personal site, and uh, and so that's that's uh, that's in there. And you can also find find me uh, on on Twitter as well. Right on. I really think it was a it was an in depth book. Like I've I've read enough self help stuff to tell that this is pretty deep. Not quite and, enough. And it, uh, and, and it, yeah. uh, yeah, it gets to that deep level. It's good. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. No fluff, no fluff in this book. This yeah. is about, this is about changing life. Yeah. So, so yeah, discover your purpose. So it's a, it was a, it took me, it probably took me 10 years to, to get that book completed. Right. So wow. There's a lot, there's a lot in there. There's a lot of pages on the floor of the creative idealist. There's probably a thousand pages on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, thanks for sharing your story with us too. And, and coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, listen, that was, it was great. You guys rock. All right, buddy. Take take care. Eh? Thanks, Reese. All right. Okay. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. Big thanks to Reese for coming on the program. Graham's going to piss himself. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a good one. I'm, I, I, those little tests were actually uh, pretty good. I seen you as being an emotional uh, little, little dude. Yeah. L- little dude, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I seen. Oh boy, That's I seen, huscular to you. I seen you as being an emotional, emotional guy, little guy, <sighs> just guy. What, what, is, what guy. was your scores again? What were you? You were. Uh, I was, can I see uh, your book for a sec? No, I was a uh, creative leader. He <sighs> combines two of them together right there. <laughs> He's the creative leader. <laughs> <clears throat> Oh, you're a bit of a team player too, and a creative idealist and a charismatic leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And I'm emotionally retarded. Yeah. So James thinks we're soulmates. Yeah. No chance. No chance. We'd the team be team player and I'm, the leader. I've been, I've been I've been on the fence about divorcing this guy already for three years. No, but that Justin. was good. I, I love the crystal ball stories too, as well. Like I like his story of sort of awakening and getting into the energy healing and all that. Absolutely, maybe I should yeah. get a crystal pipe. Uh, yeah, yeah, whatever you want. <laughs> I'm a team player. Yeah. <laughs> Check out uh, slash support for all the different options there and how you can sign up for a monthly uh, or do a one time donation and help us stay ad sponsor and affiliate free. And uh, sign up for the newsletter, slash news. Spam Graham. Graham. What else? 
Thanks to Reese for coming on. Big thanks to Reese. Uh, T-shirts and uh, art. That's right. Send your art to Nap, nap at com. And uh, a couple t-shirts left. There's some t-shirts. We'll probably go to the Red Bubble Road eventually. Uh, yeah, you've had good feedback on Red Bubble, right? That's red, a that's all a place. The feedback that, on Red Bubble has been been good. That's the place that people can just go onto our page on Red Bubble and order a bunch of swag or whatever. Yeah, and then we could have unlimited designs. Right, so we can just throw all the art people art. send us could become stickers and art. And they're kind of just made to order by a third so, party, and they can actually make them and ship them for. Around the same, you know, like we're not looking to make any money off them anyway. So the shirts are going to end up being the same, or you know, they'll be within five dollars of where they are now. Yeah, but but if people send in their episode art, and even for the back catalog, we can. So you're saying that we can plug up plug up those designs as well? Like, yeah, those could all be stickers. It's just yeah, or, it's all, or even t-shirts. Really, yeah. if you wanted an episode art on a t-shirt or something, because yeah. there's some pretty cool episode who, art. Yeah. There. Well, then you probably want us to. Uh, to what? Take the Grimerica stamp and stuff off of it? No. No? What? That's the whole point. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we'd before... have to add a, add a URL or something on the on the art. Would we? No. No, I don't think no? so. We could just be fashionistas. Okay. Maybe we'll just ditch the podcast because it's a swag. The swag's so good. I don't see that coming. I doubt it. <laughs> All right. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Before Graham pisses himself, we'll let him get out of here. See you guys next week.
On the morning of September 11, 2001, 19 men armed with box cutters directed by a man on dialysis in a cave fortress halfway around the world using a satellite phone and a laptop directed the most sophisticated penetration of the most heavily defended airspace in the world. Overpowering the passengers and the military combat trained pilots on four commercial aircraft before flying those planes wildly off course for over an hour without being molested by a single fighter interceptor. These 19 hijackers, devout religious fundamentalists who like to drink alcohol, snort cocaine, and live with pink-haired strippers, managed to knock down three buildings with two planes in New York. While in Washington, a pilot who couldn't handle a single-engine Cessna was able to fly a 757 in an 8,000-foot descending 270-degree corkscrew turn to come exactly level with the ground, hitting the Pentagon in the budget analyst office where DOD staffers were working on the mystery of the $2.3 trillion that Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld had announced missing from the Pentagon's coffers in a press conference the day before, on September 10th, 2001. Luckily, the news anchors knew who did it within minutes. Osama bin Laden. The pundits knew within hours. Osama bin Laden. The administration knew within the day. Terrorists who committed these acts and those who harbored them. And the evidence literally fell into the FBI's lap. That a hijacker's passport was found blocks from the World Trade Center crash site, if you can believe that. But for some reason, a bunch of crazy conspiracy theorists demanded an investigation into the greatest attack on American soil in history. That investigation was delayed, underfunded, set up to fail, a conflict of interest, and a cover-up from start to finish. It was based on testimony extracted through torture, the records of which were destroyed. It failed to mention the existence of WTC-7, Able Danger, P-TECH, Sibel Edmonds, OBL and the CIA, and the drills of hijacked aircraft being flown into buildings that were being simulated at the precise same time that those events were actually happening. It was lied to by the Pentagon, the CIA, the Bush administration, and as for Bush and Cheney, well, no one knows what they told it because they testified in secret, off the record, not under oath, and behind closed doors. It didn't bother to look at who funded the attacks because that question is ultimately of little practical significance. Still, the 9-11 Commission did brilliantly answering all of the questions the public had, except most of the victim's family members' questions, and pinned blame on all the people responsible, although no one so much as lost their job, determining the attacks were failure of imagination because nobody in our government at least, and I don't think the prior government that could envision flying airplanes in the buildings. Except the Pentagon, FEMA, NORAD, and the NRO. The DIA destroyed 2.5 terabytes of data on Able Danger, but that's okay because it probably wasn't important. The SEC destroyed their records on the investigation into the insider trading before the attacks, but that's okay because destroying the records of the largest investigation in SEC history is just part of routine record keeping. NIST has classified the data that they used for their model of WTC-7's collapse, but that's okay because knowing how they made their model of the collapse would jeopardize public safety. The FBI has argued that all material related to their investigation of 9-11 should be kept secret from the public, but that's okay because the FBI probably has nothing to hide. This man never existed, nor is anything he had to say worthy of your attention, and if you say otherwise, you are a paranoid conspiracy theorist and deserve to be shunned by all of humanity. Likewise him, 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 and her. And her, and her, and him. Osama bin Laden lived in a cave fortress in the hills of Afghanistan, but somehow got away. Then he was hiding out in Tora Bora, but somehow got away. Then he lived in Abbottabad for years, taunting the most comprehensive intelligence dragnet employing the most sophisticated technology in the history of the world for a decade, releasing video after video with complete impunity and getting younger and younger as he did so, before finally being found in a daring SEAL team raid which wasn't recorded on video, in which he didn't resist or use his wife as a human shield, and in which these crack special forces operatives panicked and killed this unarmed man, supposedly the best source of intelligence about those dastardly terrorists on the entire planet. Then they dumped his body in the ocean before telling anyone about it. Then a couple dozen of that team's members died in a helicopter crash in Afghanistan. This is the story of 9-11, brought to you by the media which told you the hard truths about His head could be seen to move violently forward. And 
They took the babies out of the incubators. And mobile production facilities. And the rescue of Jessica Lynch. If you have any questions about this story, you are a batshit, paranoid, tinfoil, dog-abusing baby hater, and will be reviled by everyone. If you love your country and or freedom, happiness, rainbows, rock and roll, puppy dogs, apple pie, and your grandma, you will never ever express doubts about any part of this story to anyone. Ever. This has been a public service announcement by the friends of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DIA, SEC, MSM, White House, NIST, and the 9-11 Commission. Because ignorance is strength. <laughs>